0: I'm Sierra, and I'm the host of your new favorite podcast, The Local Woman. I am so excited because this week we are joined by university professor Laura Thomason. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the show. Hi, Sierra. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, The way I am, I like to kind of just start and jump right in. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about uh, the path that led you to the field of education.
1: You know, when I looked at this question, it should be the easiest question on the list, and I think it may actually be the hardest oh because goodness. well, I'm at a point where I can't imagine ever having done anything else. I love that. You know, so to try to walk back and think how did I get here is 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 interesting, but I think I think it comes from three factors coming together for a long time. I, when I was, when I was a kid, I really thought I wanted to be a professional performer in Mm. some capacity, a dancer or an actor. Yes. And aside from honestly, not having the level of talent. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: oh no! to get no, there. No, but no. that's, you know, that, that's okay. I'm not mad about that. Okay. Um, okay. The other things that I'm really incredibly good at, good at are reading and writing and languages Absolutely. and, and the great thing about education. And I, and I think a lot of people don't necessarily know this it, number one, it kind of brings those, all of those elements together. So when you're in a classroom, you kind of are performing in a way. And yes, a lot absolutely. of people, a lot of people don't recognize that a lot of educators, by no means all of us, but a lot of us are introverts, which I very definitely am. Mm. And it doesn't seem like a natural fit. But the great thing about teaching in a classroom is it allows you to kind of manage and, and meter out your energy. So, you know, you, you know, that you have to be on and you have to give all your energy into that relationship with those students but you know exactly how long it's going to take and when it's going to be over yes. so it's a great <laughs> it's a great career for an introvert it really it really truly is so it was really about combining my natural strength I think um, and then just having the real joy for the subject matter like I love making connections among different fields of knowledge and I love when Students start to make those connections, and especially when they start to do it on their own. When a student comes back to me and says, you know, Dr. Thomason, you mentioned the Protestant Reformation in class. And then I went to World Civ class, and he talked about the Protestant Reformation. (laughs) And it all makes sense now. Yes. (laughs) It's so exciting when that happens.
0: Well, and I also think it's great because uh, just to start off, you reformatted your experience. So often when people find that they're not exactly excelling in the manner that they want to in a certain aspect of their life, they give up. But you didn't. You said, well, I have these talents. What can I use these talents for? And you found another way to make that happen in your life. That, to me, is an inspiring message in itself.
1: I honestly had not thought about it that way. Thank you. Of course. I'm I'm, I'm glad I. I, sorry, Excuse I'm glad I ended up in a. I'm glad I ended up in a in a field that you know that allows me to do that. It's not you know it's it's not perfect, of course. Higher education has a lot wrong with it, but I still say it's the best job in the world.
0: Well, I also think there's something amazing about teaching an entire body of individuals something that they carry along with them to improve the field that you're passionate about.
1: Right. Right. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Well, you're not exactly a Macon native. What led you to invest <laughs> your talents and continue your career in Macon?
1: This is going to sound a little bit cynical. Um, the, the truth is that in, in, in my field, in, in English, because it's, jobs are very, very competitive. Yes. And, and tenure track jobs at the university level are quite scarce you have to be prepared to go where a job is yes, yes. Um, so that was really the that was really the point of view with which I went on the job market when I got out of grad school you know with that level of flexibility to say okay I'm gonna go where I'm gonna go at the same time I don't think I would have stuck around if I didn't believe in the mission of the school you know yes. if I if I weren't energized by the community. So I don't want to sound completely, you know, self-interested or mercenary about the whole thing. <laughs> um, I, I think Macon in general and, and middle Georgia state, maybe in particular, um, are kind of best kept secrets. Yes. You know, there's so much great stuff going on at MGA. There's so much great stuff going on in Macon and little by little, I think the word is getting out, but having been here, you know, coming up on 15 years, I think. Um, and sometimes I, I still feel like, sometimes I feel like we still have so much left to do. Sometimes I feel like people should really know Macon better and know MGA better. So it's, a, it's an exciting, it really is an exciting place to live. There are so many great people here. Stuff like this podcast that might not even be happening somewhere else, <laughs> yes, but it's happening here. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, I always tell people that, I genuinely believe that if you can make it in making, you can try and make it anywhere because there's a community. There's an audience for anything you want to try right here. Yeah. In Macon. I believe that.
1: I think that's true. I think that's true. You have, you might have to look around a little bit, but the extent to which, you can you can find somebody you can know a guy who knows
0: a guy and <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> this is, it's so you true know. it is and i mean just speaking of the growth of middle georgia state university um and this isn't one of the listed questions but i i just really love that you brought that up because that university has gone from being you know making state to middle georgia state university but it's just gone through so much um even yeah. just watching the growth of the campus and the growth of the academic uh, platforms that you all offer, even mm. uh, on the episode that we did with Lindsay, Fo- Lindsay Floyd, the avi- aviation expert, she discussed mm-hmm. how there's an entire program there for that, and people yes. may not have known about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 really impressive, and I and I think you know I, it's a, especially for being relatively speaking a very new institution yes. um the, the former middle georgia college has a much longer history yes it does. i think it you know it dates to the 1800s mm-hmm. the macon state side founded in 1968 yes you know as a, as a junior college and if you have a dental hygienist of a certain
0: age she went to little- yes. <laughs> she got her <laughs>
1: certification at what was then macon junior college yes so yeah the, the way that it has just you know, grown and blossomed and taken even that consolidation, which was a a difficult thing to do, to become five campuses that are not close together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and try to construct a unified identity out of it, the extent to which we've succeeded with that, that we're, you know, we're constantly working to, you know, to meet students' needs better. And, And I think, meeting some needs in the community that probably are not getting met elsewhere in terms of access to higher education.
0: Yes. Well, in addition to uh, the courses of studies that we've mentioned, you will offer, also offer an international studies program, and you lead that program. Would you share more with us about your experience?
1: Yeah, I love to talk about this, quite <laughs> honestly. Yeah, um, well, that's and...
0: what I've seen you talk about most on <laughs> Facebook as a, a follower of you on Facebook. Excuse me.
1: Right, absolutely. Um, so I was this actually my, my position with um, international programs at MGA was a direct outgrowth of the consolidation and the idea that there needed to be one person who was responsible for study abroad programs as well as international student services. And at, at, at bigger universities with, with more programming in both of those areas, that's kind of the traditional division. You have people who do study abroad, people who do international student services, yes. and then there'll be sort of a supervisor over all of it. So I am the entire team. Oh, <laughs> my
0: goodness.
1: I, I am have, I have, I have the supervisor. I am the staff. I am, I am a one-person off, office. So it, it does stay busy, but it's, it's, again, just very satisfying because you're helping students out with things that they need. You know, on the international student side, most of the work that I do is helping students understand and work within the American immigration system. Yes. And al- and also with health insurance. Wow. I mean, health insurance barely makes sense to American citizens. It <laughs> absolutely makes who no sense ins- ins-
0: and uh, it it absolutely makes no sense to me. I'll say yeah. that much. Yeah.
1: No, it's 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 confusing. You know, our tax system is confusing, so you know, helping students with, am I allowed to have a job? How many class hours do I have to take per semester? Wow. What does this form mean that I got in the, in the mail from the IRS? Um, you know, those kinds of things and, and getting students, you know, in and out according to the rules. It doesn't, it, it's not necessarily high level, but it's extremely important, of course, to that. It doesn't involve,
0: and it doesn't it just is. involve the U.S. government. It involves the government of the, the country that you're headed to.
1: It absolutely can. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Kind of figuring out if especially right now because of COVID, you oh know, what goodness. their rules are, what our rules are. Yes. Um and and then study abroad side is study abroad is how I got into international ed work. That's probably where if I had to say where my heart lies first and foremost, it would be with study abroad. But um Gosh. that's been so that's been so satisfying to build that programming, um, again, in ways that that work for our students and meet their needs and give them experiences that I know they wouldn't otherwise get to have. I had a student come to me who was on um, a study abroad program, a summer study abroad program to Paris. And after the program, she came to my office for I forget what reason and told me that after that program, she felt Different, yes. About the fact that her parents would, you know, would talk about non-English speakers in the United States and say, "Why can't they just speak English?" And and for her being in France as a non-French speaker and having that experience of struggling to communicate and get what she needed, gave her a whole different perspective and empathy for immigrants here in the U.S. Wow. and i just thought yeah
0: i earned that's everything paycheck. you want to get from that program i mean that's, right. That, that's that, right that to me covers the gambit of what you are hoping people pull from an international studies program
1: yeah absolutely and it's i mean it's it's that it's that global perspective it's that we call it intercultural competency being yeah. able to you know kind of sometimes just observe and modify your own behavior to you know, do you you know do you want to fit into a given situation here? Look at how everyone else is acting. Do what they're doing. That's a real oversimplified version of intercultural competency, <laughs> but I don't think it's wrong. No. Um, and and you know, of course, the opportunity to put academic content in an overseas context because you know you're you're going to take a class. You are getting a grade. You are earning credit. So the academic component is is strong. But just having that challenge of being in an overseas environment having for some students is their first time really being independent yes you know if they if they live at home normally they're away from home for several weeks and going to the grocery store and you know things have different names and you buy the such and
0: such. It's, it's the small stuff, but it makes
1: a huge difference for them.
0: Or you get to oversee so much growth in yes. people, um, whether it be their understanding and again, increasing their cultural competency, but also just them as a person, like believing that yes. they can do these things that they never imagined that they would be able to do, especially when you're coming out of an area like Macon.
1: That's exactly it. And and I like to um haven't done this in a while of course, but I I like to um, talk to students at orientation. So so brand new students who are coming to MGA for the first time and we will sort of get, you know, two hundred of them in the gym on the on the Cochrane campus and And I'll kind of have them raise their hands on who, you know, who's who's been overseas before and some will raise their hands. Who's been on a plane before some will raise their hands. First time I went on the on the Paris summer program, I was next to a kid, but that was his first time on a plane. Wow! You know, it was this eight hour flight
0: across across. That's a lot to go through with people. You also see people in a very vulnerable situation, I'll say. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, I think traveling is a vulnerable situation to be in with anyone. It
1: is, it is. And it's it's hard on it's legitimately hard on your body and your brain. You yes. get there and you're jet lagged and everything is new and, and being that being that person who is that one solid connection that they can count on. Um, I try to be as successful with that as I can and I'm certainly aware of what a huge responsibility and, and kind of an honor it is. You know, they put a lot of trust in me. Their parents put a lot of trust in me. Wow. Um, so it's, it's, it is kind of a big deal. But then it's also just a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> I think it's important to be able to understand the balance. And I love that you've expressed that at this time. And I'd love for you to share more about your most uh, memorable destination and why that was uh, an exciting place for you to visit with your students. Oh,
1: <laughs> This, this is another question that I'm, I'm looking at. It should it should be easy, and it's hard because you kind of get option paralysis. <laughs> and,
0: and not only every, that, you probably every experience just means so much to you because you learn so much each time.
1: That's exactly it. And every every trip, even if it's the same, even if it's the same destination, even if it's the same activities, it's a little different each time. Um, I'm I'm going to punt on this question and say <laughs> that. I'll say it this way. Um, when I started doing study abroad, I was, I was on a summer program to Paris for three years. Um, three years or four years. And I've loved France and French culture since I was a kid. Um, probably connected to starting ballet when I was young. Um, I'm not sure, but my guess is that's probably kind of where it came from. So I loved France before I ever went there. Uh, and then, and then actually, you know, getting to experience it. I, I went on study abroad as a student myself when I was in grad school and then, Mm. and then leading this program, um, was just, was, was sort of confirmation. You know, I, I felt like I knew what I was going to get. I knew what to, what to expect. I knew I was going to have a good experience. And of course, I wasn't disappointed. Um, i mean paris is incredible what can you say it's the number one tourist destination in the world for a good reason (laughs) yes i
0: mean it's one i've never been to paris but i actually have a friend who will be moving to study film in paris Um, at the end of the year of course it was delayed due to covid but i'm so excited for her and i'm excited to get to visit her because it will be one of well it will be uh, definitely my first time there and um I, i guess i'll have to come to you for some advice
1: <laughs> I will be ha- I will be happy to do that. I'll yes. just say take your best take your best walking shoes. Oh my gosh, um, that's 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 number one. Take your best walking shoes. Um, but I, so so the program that I'm involved with now, that's also a summer program, uh, is based in Waterford, Ireland, and travels around um, the, the the island, the Republic of Ireland, so yes. sort of the bo- the bottom half, so to speak. And if if I loved if I love Paris instinctively, I've learned to love Ireland. And so in some ways I love it more Ooh. because I've had to, you know, cause I've had to sort of work to understand it. Um, yes. Irish culture and history is so long and so rich and so complex. Yes. I still don't feel like I have a grip on all of it, but Irish people are incredibly welcoming. You know, they 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 want to know about you. They want you to know about them. They're always happy to see you coming. Um, so it's it's a it's a lovely, lovely place to be. And of course, there between Paris and then Ireland, the environments could not be more different. I mean, if you think about about Paris as a as a metropolitan city, and then think about Ireland, a very rural country, um, in those respects. The, the environments are really different. So it's at the end, your question is unanswerable. And I think <laughs> I, may not, <laughs> I may not yet have been to my most memorable destination. There are a lot of places I want to go that I haven't been yet.
0: Oh, I love it. Thank, well, I, I still <laughs> like what you've added to that question because what you've said is it sounds like you just love the journey. I do.
1: I really <laughs> do. Yeah. I mean, no, that's, that is true on a literal level. I love to fly. I love trains. Um, I love, I love the Paris Metro, you know, it's underground train system, which is dirty and smelly and crowded. (laughs) And the Parisians themselves. Are you a New Yorker or are you a Parisian?
0: (laughs) Wait, hold on. I love it. No. Well, see, these are things that people wouldn't know. I mean, but I, I really do believe that people get the most out of an experience when they engulf their self in the culture as best they can. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Yes. Well, today we hear a lot about the importance of pursuing careers in science and technology. How do you feel that education and humanities will remain relevant and important in the new digital landscape? It's it's such an important question to ask
1: because education is such an investment of, of time and resources that. that humanists have to be able to make a case for a mm-hmm. I, my best case for it is we might say, this is going to be an oversimplification, but I'm going to go with it. We might say science and technology solve problems. Humanities makes connections. Again, that idea that, that, we need to be able to understand context. We need to be able to to knit information together, to analyze it, to synthesize it, and often that'll take us across boundaries. I, I think humanities is divided into fields: English, history, what have you. I almost want to say for convenience, <laughs> or, or because there's no time to study everything.
0: Absolutely. But the
1: but the boundaries are blurry. You know, when you study literature. You learn history and vice versa. When you study philosophy, you understand literature better. Um, When you study history, you understand philosophy better and so on and so on. So the more information that's coming at us, to to touch on the digital aspect, the more information that's coming at us, the more valuable a humanities education is. I was spending time very wisely this afternoon watching (laughs) Peaky Blinders on Netflix. Yes, and in the last, the last episode of the last season, I watched it an hour ago, and I've run out of people Blinders episodes, but I'm without oh, direction no. in life. It's tragic. It's I hate not to tragic. see
0: a good show end.
1: Man, I tell you what, um, there is hopefully another season coming. But in this, in this last episode, there's a whole plot line about a member of parliament who is a fascist and who's trying to launch a fascist political party in Britain. Yes. And and my brain is just tick tick ticking while I'm watching this. Winston Churchill is a character in the series. So I'm thinking about what I really know about Churchill. I'm listening to this this um, this fascist MP character and quite honestly thinking, okay, those producers made him sound like Donald Trump on purpose. Yes. He doesn't look anything like Trump. He looks like I'm not sure who Freddie Mercury, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But But, the bombastic manner in which he's communicating. Exactly. The the visual style of the posters they show in the show for him, I'm thinking about, is that really legitimately 1929, 1930 type style, graphic design style? Um, You know, in short, I mean, I'm joking about like spending my time wisely. I'm putting probably a lot more brain power into Peaky Blinders than than anyone should. (laughs) But this is what a humanities education gives you. Yes, it gives you not only the, the analytical turn of mind, it gives you pieces of evidence to think about and call upon and say, "Okay, I see that. I think I see what you're doing here. Does it check out with other things I know in my own field or in other fields?
0: Well, I also think the importance of, well, today we hear a lot about the importance of uh, careers, pursuing careers in science and technology. How do you feel that education and humanities will remain relevant and important in our new digital landscape?
1: It's such an important question to ask because education is so high stakes for the students right yes. everyone it's, it's it's expensive in terms of money it's expensive in terms of time so so we have to humanists have to be able to make a case for our own relevance I think we owe that to our students um in a in an important way yes. and and I and I think my my impression which which may be biased is that <laughs> science and technology fields are, are about problem solving. They, they can be narrowly focused. Um, humanities is really about connections among ideas, even, even among in between fields. Yes. So if you, if you study literature, you learn a lot about history and studying history makes you understand literature better if you study philosophy you understand history better if you study art so much of what i've learned about religion i've actually learned through art history yes. for example you know so much renaissance art doesn't make any sense if you don't know anything <laughs> about about catholicism so so knitting those connections together so that when you when you see something whatever the something is whether it's a painting whether it's a novel whether it's a tv show um this afternoon i was watching the very last episode of Peaky blinders on netflix so now i am bereft of Peaky blinders
0: which is sad (laughs) oh (laughs) my favorite show ends
1: it kills right so, but in the in the last couple episodes, there's there's a plot in which uh, a, a fascist member of parliament is trying to form a fascist political party, and of course, it's it's the it's the rise of, of fascism in Europe. Uh, we're we're between the first and second World War, so so 1929, 1930 at this point, and and I could not watch this episode. Actually, I, I haven't been able to watch any of the show without sort of. Checking the details. Yes. So looking at this fascist character and and listening to how he the message that he delivers and, and thinking, I have to think the producers made him sound like Donald Trump
0: on purpose just completely Isn't bombastic looking, and yeah
1: yeah doesn't look anything like trump um but but sounds like him and what he says and, and the style of the posters they give him in the show and i'm thinking is that really you know does that match 1930s type style graphic design for real were people really doing the nazi salute back then because they are in the show um even really tiny little details. The, the, the main character, uh, Thomas Shelby, smokes all the time. So you see him flipping open his cigarette case. And I promise you, there's, there's a close-up once or twice where you see the cigarettes and they have filters. And this really only proves that I'm a tremendous nerd, but <laughs> I went and looked up when cigarette filters began to be mass-produced. Yes. And I'm pretty sure he would not have had filter cigarettes in
0: 1929 based on what I read. You caught him. I think maybe I did. (laughs) See, but I mean, that's a thing. When you're studying people and when you're studying history, you have to realize that people are going to notice those specifics, those particulars.
1: Right. Right. That's it. And, And it's, it's, these are, these are such, small things taken in themselves. So it's really not about the individual uh aha, the individual (laughs) gotcha. It's the the habit of mind. It's the idea that these connections are valuable and powerful. And it almost comes down to the more you know, the more you know. And I think humanities education gives you uh, a a transferable skill set in that respect where you can adapt to different career paths um, because you have different ways of, of looking at processing information because you have different fields of knowledge that you can potentially draw on. So it may even give a person more flexibility you, and and you mentioned the the digital landscape in particular, we now have so much more information coming at us. Um, I mean, I say now because I'm Gen X, I do, dimly remember a time before the internet oh my um, I did, well <laughs> say I say that well. as someone
0: who does as well I still associate the sound doo, 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 like the AOL login sound <laughs> yes, with yes. the internet and it has nothing oh, yeah. to do with the internet anymore <laughs> not anymore but but we remember it Absolutely. Uh, but the,
1: the amount of information that is coming our way makes it imperative that we have the tools to to analyze it, to filter it, to make judgments about it so that we're not just sort of taking in everything that we're fed uncritically. So I mean, if you're going to expect an English professor to be in favor of a humanities education, but I really <laughs> am.
0: <laughs> well, I was even thinking about what my answer to this question would be, which I, I kind of do sometimes when I'm writing out questions. I'm like, yeah. well, when I'm thinking about it, what, what would be my answer to this question? And to me, the study of people will always be relevant. Businesses care about the study of people. When you're looking at their interactions on social media, their creation of content, you've got medical schools. Um, uh, considering uh, individuals who came out with undergrad degrees in um, humanities because they believe those people do transfer for well into the medical school setting because those people come with, again, what you spoke about previously, the transferability transferability of skills. Um, There's so many things that they bring to the table in addition to their understanding of science and math that make them quality candidates for the job.
1: Absolutely. There's even beginning to be some, some research on cognitive processes around reading and the idea that reading is better than any other activity at producing, developing, cultivating empathy in a person, reading fiction specifically, reading novels. And that's something that any humanist would tell you on the basis of a sniff test, right? Oh yeah, we all know that's true. Well, the science is finally catching up, putting people in an MRI machine and having them read Pride and Prejudice um, and and finding out that that's actually the case. I believe that
0: there are experiences that you When you're reading a book, you're going through that with the main character or the individual that the author is having lead that story. And so you do develop compassion and you develop empathy. You also develop anger and frustration with those same characters. But you're going through that range of emotion. And I believe that that's something that's often missing from connectivity these days, especially if you look at... Um, you know, what's happened to us during the pandemic and not being able to connect with our friends, not being able to c- uh, connect with people in the same way. You know, the humanities have carried us through. The first thing people ran to is Netflix. And when you <laughs> mentioned something, you mentioned Pinky Blinders. Someone had to do the research in order to create that artistic content. Yes, yeah. And that yeah. is why humanities imp- is important. Definitely. You can thank humanities for your happiness during the pandemic. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Put that
1: on a pillow. (laughs) Yeah, put that on a (laughs)
0: pillow. Well, in addition to your work at Middle Georgia State University um, as a uh, professor, you're also a professional dancer. Like if you couldn't do anything more. Right. You know, so tell us more about your career in dance and your work in the community to make dance inclusive for all. Well, I, I'm I'm
1: going to correct you factually, oh, um, and, and i and, and I'll tell you why. Um, I am not a professional dancer. Oh. And- and in fact, I am not allowed to claim to be a
0: professional dancer. I was quick um, to make you. Pro- I, I, you know what? I should probably give people some background on this. I actually first met you at the Howard Community Dance Center yes, uh, when yes. you were leading your dances because my friend Jessica and my friend Stephen, who are your students, invited me to dance. Yes. I went and bought these new shoes. I was ready. And I show up. And these people are amazing. So in my mind, you're a professional dancer. <laughs>
1: Well, thank you so much of for saying course, that. Uh, the, the reason I always have to correct people when they say that is that my husband, Daniel, and I um, compete in ballroom dancing. And oh. we com- we compete as amateurs through USA Dance. You're
0: a competitive um, dancer, not a professional that's correct. dancer. Okay. That's correct.
1: And because we compete as amateurs, we are not allowed to promote ourselves as professionals. And, of course, we're not allowed to compete as professionals. So thank they you. keep that, that amateur professional line really really strict so So, I'm I'm always so picky no no they're so so picky
0: they're a little picky (laughs) they're a little picky yeah yeah yes no well I appreciate you clarifying that
1: but uh, because I to the substance of the question um I I started taking ballet when I was nine and and what I usually say is that I just forgot to stop (laughs) <laughs> um I, I mean I've I've gone away from it sometimes for years at a time and then I'll always come back to it. Um when I when I moved here, I moved here from Dallas, Texas, and I had been taking figure skating lessons for a couple of years. Oh wow.
0: And that makes I was, so much sense as far as the fluid movements that you see people doing right, on the, the right. ice. So I was terrible at it. I did enjoy it, but I
1: was terrible at it. I'm I'm much better as a dancer than a skater, but uh. coming here, there's no ice rink year nope. round. And there's no there's no coaching. The closest rink is in Duluth, which is far. And I said, okay, you know, I've wanted to try ballroom dancing, but I need to limit myself to one expensive hobby at a time. So <laughs> if I'm moving to Macon, I have to give up skating. But I want to start doing ballroom.
0: So you're and telling me that this isn't something you've done all your life? I've I've danced in some form almost all my life, okay. and
1: I've done and I've done ballroom. I guess, uh, about 15 years now since I've been living here. Okay,
0: okay. And In my mind, you all are just that great. I can't, I can't imagine Thank you. So much. Like, when I found out you were a pe- professor as well, I was like, wow, she's doing so much. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know how she has time for all of this. I mean, I, I,
1: I stay busy. That's that's not untrue. But uh, but no, we are in in the overall... Theme of dance ability, we, we are really closer to the beginner end than the advanced okay, end, okay. Um, which, which, you know, is okay with me. Um, I, think the, I think the inclusivity question that you asked is incredibly important and, and actually is something that I would like to be doing a lot more with. So I mentioned USA Dance as the organization that we compete through. Yes. Um it's it's the national organization for ballroom dancing, um competitive dance sport as it's called, and it's and it represents dance sport to the US Olympic Committee. So the the original goal of USA Dance was to get ballroom dancing certified as an Olympic sport, and they're they're still working toward that. But there are chapters all over the country that support social dancing as well as as competition. And the the nice thing about USA Dance, especially in recent years, they've worked a lot on inclusivity. So they've implemented a gender neutrality policy in recent years. Um, it's always been possible in, in competitive dance. You compete against your own level. You compete against your own age. So if you are a beginner and you are 75 years old, you do not have to dance against, you know, 20-year-olds who are advanced dancers. And it really does make it accessible for people. Yeah,
0: um, people want you know, an opportunity I, to. You know. That's right.
1: That's right. And you know, to go out there and you know and have a, have a shot against people at their own level. Yes, um, yes. At, at the same time, not to put too fine a point on it, ballroom dancing is really white, um, and and that's that's the case here in Macon as well. Yes. Um, like like a lot of social activities, there's there's a real divide there. Um, and that's something that going forward, I'd like to see our USA Dance chapter um, do a lot more with. Um, <sighs> could we, could we be dancing in different venues? Could we be offering lessons in different places? You know, there's, there's yoga in the park. Could there be ballroom dancing in the park? Oh, You know, to maybe, to maybe draw some folks and create some accessibility that, that hasn't been there in the past. So these are, these are things I'm, I've been thinking about. This is when you when you have a year of no
0: dancing, you start to think (laughs) of various ways you can bring it into your everyday life. That's
1: right. That's right. You have plenty of time to plan out your next move when it becomes possible. So, um, so it's something that I do feel like the, the ballroom dancing community in general needs to work even harder to catch up on. Um, but I, but I think the, for, for what it is worth, I think the spirit is in the right place and it's a matter of, taking the steps to actually make it happen, because the more people we can get involved and interested and comfortable with dancing, that, you know, ensures the longevity of it, and that makes everybody happy.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, uh, I, again, speaking back to having met you at the Howard Community Dance Center Center and the topic of inclusivity, I do remember showing up at that event, and I believe I may have been one of, one of the very few uh african-american individuals who were there but i have to say i did feel very included um there was a wide range of age ranges there at the time and you know honestly i was learning the most from people who were far older than me they knew all the dances that you brought up they were so ready to get you out on the floor and they were passionate about you learning about dance it wasn't just hey get out there and dance it was hey let me teach you these moves so that you can be a part of this dance and do it with us. Um, and I think that that is amazing. And I love that you are more, f- more focused on bringing in communities of color and, you know, various uh, bodies into the, the realm of, of dancing. And I do believe that so many people in the community would be welcome to that. And I actually would love to talk to you about that after the show. Um, Absolutely, <laughs> just yeah. Just so you know, to, to try and find ways to connect uh, your, um, your goal with the community. I love that and I'm excited to hear it. And I have to say, I really enjoyed those. Those were Friday nights when I was like, "Oh, I don't really know what I want to do." And Stephen and Jessica were like, "Well, we're going to the dance," and Ashley was like, "Well, you should come to the dance with us." And (laughs) I said, "Well, you know, I'll come on out." And it was very inexpensive. I think it was five dollars to participate. Something very inexpensive. And you know, I would come out, and we'd be there for about three hours, Mm -hmm. and I had a great time. I would leave, my feet would be hurting a little bit, but I would have made a new friend, and I would have learned something new. And I thought it was great
1: i'm really happy to hear that
0: That no i I did i did you know ashley i have to admit ashley brings me to a lot of things she's got me in a pottery class now (laughs) so i'll I'll say that i was so excited uh to be a part of that and i'm excited to see you bringing that to the community but uh in addition to uh speaking of community you participate each year in our local dancing with the stars event would you tell us more about that event and i know you all have one coming up soon
1: yes so um you're absolutely right. Um, I am now. I have to make the finger quotes. I am a pro <laughs> who is not a pro. Everybody is either a star or a pro. Yes. I'm a pro in Dancing Stars of Central Georgia, which is a fundraising event for the Alzheimer's Association. Yes, and it is a it is a Dancing with the Stars style show that pairs up dancers with local again, with finger quote, celebrities. Um, and, and the job of the celebrities is to raise the money from, from their friends and connections. And my job is to teach them a dance routine that we perform in front of, you know, a live audience. And it's, it is so much fun. It's so much fun to introduce someone to dance who has never danced before or very, very little. Um, you know, seeing what kind of performer a person can turn out to be is really exciting to me. Um, I, I have to shout out my partner, my current partner, Kevin Stevenson, Dr. Kevin Stevenson because yes. he and I uh, were, were paired up for the 2020 show, which didn't happen. And wow. he stuck it, he stuck it out through the, the months of not being sure what was going to happen at yes. all. Um, not being sure what was going to happen for 2021. And we're actually still in the process of figuring out what the 2021 show is going to look like. Yes, yes. Right, right now, it's most likely that the, the, the live show that we're all used to at the city auditorium, you know, black tie event mm-hmm. uh, will come back for 2022. Right. And I, I think it's probably the case that Kevin and I are going to dance together live in that show. Um, so this this year's event is is still in the is in the process of evolving, and for that reason, I don't want to say anything too specific. Yes, absolutely. But it's it's been so much fun to work with Kevin, who is a neurosurgeon. He has no dance background, but he has tons of community connections all over Central Georgia because his medical practice has multiple clinics around the area. So yes. he's got all of his offices, all of his coworkers workers um, chipping into the fundraising. And he just shows up and works hard and never says he can't do something and never says, I don't want to do that because it looks funny. He's willing <laughs> to try anything. He is willing to keep working at it till he gets it right. And he just has that. He ends up having this kind of this kind of power and magnetism as a performer that he probably never knew he had, you know, he's a sports guy in his own background. Um, so it's kind of, you know, it's, it's finding the right kind of dance that fits the right person and, and making the, the rehearsal experience fun for them. Um, and then kind of quarterbacking them through the show where, where I've danced as a performer, lots and lots of times. And in most cases, the other person has never done any such thing. Yes. So so just making sure that they feel comfortable and they have an enjoyable experience and 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 they know things like you don't say good luck to a dancer. Um those those kinds of things that, that we kind of throw in as we go along. And of course it ends up raising about a quarter of a million dollars wow. each year for the Alzheimer's Association. So that's I love the dancing and the performing end of it, but to be able to do that for such an important cause, for such a serious condition that affects so many people, including in my own family, um, it's it's a tremendous, tremendous undertaking and and really exciting to be involved in.
0: Wow. Well, I just love everything that you've talked about, but I also love the fact that that kind of takes us back to our previous question about the connection between, uh, humanities and technology. Here you are talking about your partner who is a neuroscientist, um, who is learning something through humanities. Um, and not only that, you all are, uh, communicating, or excuse me, uh, doing something for the community. And I just think yeah. that's amazing. Um, and, I, and I love that they are combining the idea that these are not people who are traditionally dancers who can do this. Yeah. And of course it's based off the um, commercially syndicated show Dancing with the Stars, but I love to see this done locally uh, because oh, yeah. it really does bring people you don't see. They're bringing them from behind the curtain, shall we say. You know, yeah. you, you, you likely wouldn't get an opportunity to communicate with your local neurosurgeon unless you were going in to visit him for uh, an appointment uh but you do get to see him dancing on stage and I certainly hope that if you cannot bring that to the stage in 2021 that you all get to dazzle the stage in 2022 Thank you. We hope so, too. We hope so, too. Of course. Well, if someone's been listening to this show and they're just like, well, I know if I'm a student at Macon state, or excuse me, Middle Georgia State University, see, that's that local slip, <laughs> Middle Georgia Thank State you. University, I'm already running to sign up for your class in that respect. But if they want to sign up for one of your dance classes, um, where can people sign up to participate?
1: Hmm. So we do have a website. Um, Uh, So I'm Laura, my husband is Daniel, so our website is dldancers.com, and you can find our contact information on there. We're we're not doing group classes right now. We will likely start group classes again in the next few months. We are doing private lessons. Um, We do fair amount of private lessons for weddings. So it's still popular to have a, you know, a choreographed first dance for your wedding. And and we love to work on those, but, but also just learning social dancing, Um, you know, more like the experience that you had where you can, you can come out and come out and dance, but um, hit up our website and um, you can get in touch with us that way.
0: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I do encourage people to check you all out for those private lessons. And I also um, really love to watch those uh, those special first dances um, on YouTube of the wedding. So if you can recreate that in real life they can help you. (laughs) Well, um, you and I recently discovered that we share a love of pens. And this is very exciting for me because I'm a huge (laughs) pen person. I am a V5 Precision Pilot Fine Point 0.5. And Mm -hmm. these are things that you only know if you're for real about your pen life. And (laughs) so I posted something on Facebook about it. And you were immediately like, I can change your mind. I know the way. You were like, I know these fountain pens that I think you will love. So, would you tell us more about your favorite type of pen and why that's your favorite type of pen?
1: I have to start by saying I do not own all the pens in the world. So as as <laughs> as so there's with some my other favorite great ones travel out destination, <laughs> yeah. As was my favorite travel destination, it may be that I haven't gotten there yet. Um, and, and I say that in part because I'm, I follow some fountain pen accounts on Instagram. Oh, um, I, I, I recently joined a Facebook group called Fountain Pen Network. <laughs> and w- what you will learn from the Fountain Pen Network is um, people have, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of pens and, and wall racks full of ink bottles and major money sunk into their
0: fountain pen collection. Oh, well I learned and, that when I went to go order my first yeah. fountain pen. I was like, this is a thirty dollar investment. <laughs> like I yeah, was like
1: this yeah. is serious. And and that of course is on the low end. I mean you can spend multiple hundreds on a fountain pen easily. Um and I I own things that I have spent money on. I'll put it that way. Yes. yes. But I don't ever with something like a pen that I want to carry every day and use every day and I think this is particularly a factor for women because our clothes don't have pockets. Yes. So immediately you have where am I going to put the pen that it's oh. not going to get lost or scratched or broken. Um, I I go to the I go to the budget end of the scale and I would I am going to say right now that my my favorite pen is the Lamy Safari. Oh my gosh, it 20 to 30 dollars. I bought mine three, four years ago, maybe more. Okay. Um, I still use it most days, I carry it most days. It is just a workhorse. It's, it's, <laughs> this is it's the pan of pins. It is. It's not, it's not even shiny. Um, but it's just. It, it it just doesn't quit and it's light it's nice to write with it's not slippery how's the point on that pin?
0: how's the point
1: this is one thing you have to be a little bit careful about um i think the nib that comes on the safari is F for fine, okay but it's pretty. It will not if if you're if you're a fine point point five person, it will not be fine enough for you. Okay, see that's and, and, and good you to can, know
0: because I don't like to have the double lines. Um, right. Sometimes fountain pens do the double lines. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, if you're a,
1: a, a, like a flex nib or a stub nib yes. that is supposed to do that is mm-hmm. one thing. But if you just want a skinny line, if you get like an EF. Mm. extra fine it'll it'll get closer to that but it's clear that there are variations among brands so a fine in one brand is not necessarily a fine in another so i'm true. okay with the fine and the lamey because i write big anyway it doesn't quite matter what i'm <laughs> writing with i just write big so yes. it, it it doesn't matter so much but i just i it's it's like i said it's not flashy it's but it's not expensive it will it will live forever a lot of people love the Pilot Metropolitan. Mm. My Pilot Metropolitan leaks but I think I just got a bad one.
0: Oh, okay. So this is not I'm a, this thinking, is not a general thing that you have to be concerned no, about with that
1: pen. No, no. I, I think I just happened, happened to get a lemon. Um. Uh, so I may, I'm thinking about you know, ordering another one and seeing if it does better. But hmm. to, uh, to anybody who's saying, I, you know, I want to buy my first fountain pen, what should I get? I'm going to say get a Lamy Safari.
0: Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. I love that you shared that with me. I am now slowly venturing into the fountain pen lifestyle. Again, i am mm-hmm always been a pilot girl. Um, I'm not a Sharp or a Bic person, and it's really a- offensive to me that everywhere I go, people use those particular pins. Because again, <laughs> when you went back to mentioning that people say fine point and it means something different everywhere, those are two yep. examples of people who say fine point and they don't know anything about what it's about. I've never it's seen true. a fine point from either one of those big <laughs> companies, and it's so frustrating. Uh, but th- those are just two universal pins, but I've fallen in love with the pilot pin I am slowly transitioning into the fountain pen lifestyle as my pocket can afford and I will, you know but I also like to bring up the fact that with the the fountain pens when you can use a pen for 3 years 3 years yeah you don't have yeah. pens right now that you can use for 3 years so this makes the investment worthwhile
1: to me, that's exactly it. You know, you get it's it's a bigger upfront investment. So you buy the pen, get a converter so you don't have to buy cartridges, yes, yes, get yes. a bottle of ink because a bottle of ink is cool. And um, yeah, just just go to town. Just keep re, keep refilling it.
0: And And I don't have you read Little Women? I have. I have. Yes. <laughs> So that was so, one of those 6th grade 6th grade must reads. <laughs>
1: absolutely. So this is uh, so this is my personal stick is, is is Joe March from Little Women. <laughs> right? This she, is your thing. She has, This is my thing. She has short hair, which I do. Yes. She has an inappropriately older husband,
0: which I do. <laughs> and she has inky fingers, which I often do. Yes. So I'm Joe March and I feel good about that. See, I think again, <laughs> humanities influence life connection yes. I love connection it.
1: right there See? right there
0: and speaking of connection where can people connect with you online you've given us the ld is that where you'd like for people to try and connect with you or do you have any other social media or facebook information you'd like to share
1: so i am on dl dancers.com um I have a professional website that is LauraEThomason.com. I I will tell you for both of those that that my main um, strength in keeping up a website is failing to keep up my website so <laughs> I hear that. you will you will get there and you may see that it's a little there may be some dust or cobwebs
0: no, no. um well you'll but, notice the local woman has yet to get their website going but we're working towards it we're working towards it. <laughs> that makes no, me feel better please um, feel better about it because we are really it's it's a whole thing for us we are trying real hard though we hope to get there soon
1: but what I will say is, um, if you, especially on DL Dancers, if you email me, my email address is listed, or I think we even have a contact form. Um, I will always respond to those. Uh, you can sign up for our for our mailing list. If you did want to get into our group classes, when we go back to those, um, that's probably the, the surest way to connect with me. I'm on Facebook. I don't tend to friend people. I don't know personally. Of course. So, um, of course. But I'll, but I'll put in the, I will put in the plug here for our USA Dance chapter, which has uh, a Facebook page. Um, it's US, USA Dance Greater Macon chapter 6059. 6059. you can search for that on Facebook. And, um, and I'm, I'm one of the administrators on that page. So kind of an indirect way to find me and find dancing at the same time.
0: Thank you so much for joining me today. You've gone through some technical issues with me, (laughs) so (laughs) you all probably won't hear that on your end, but we've gone through some technical issues over here, and she's been an incredible sport through the entire thing, and I so appreciate you sharing your work with Middle Georgia State University and also your uh, profession as a competitive dancer uh, with us today. Well, it was absolutely wonderful to talk to you. I'm thrilled to have had the opportunity, and I thank you so much. Of course, and we're actually going to go out together today. Thank you all so much for listening to The Local Woman. I appreciate you all. Every time I hear a little bit about uh, what you all love about our episodes and what you all are enjoying as far as our content, continue to check out our Facebook and our Instagram, and thank you all so much for listening. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.